When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Support for the Golf Unfiltered podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the ultimate men's hygiene bundle, the Performance Package. So join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer just for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code GUPOD at manscaped.com. Look, guys, we've all been there. We've tried to do something nice for ourselves or perhaps the special person in our lives by going down south and trying to make things look a little bit nice. And we've also seen what could go horribly wrong. I know I have. The Performance Package 4.0 by Manscaped has arrived, and it is a game changer. Inside this package, you'll find their Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, a Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, love the name of that, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. So let's break this down a little bit further. First off, the Lawnmower 4.0 is the trimmer that is the future of grooming, and dare I say the greatest ball trimmer ever? Maybe. I'm blown away by the performance and craftsmanship of this trimmer. It actually features a ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin-safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and also has a 400K LED spotlight, so you can see what you're doing down there. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and provides the same proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those most delicate nose holes. Wrapping everything up is Manscaped's Crop Preserver Below the Waist Deodorant and Crop Reviver Below the Waist Toner, which is really going to change the way you approach your daily hygiene routine. They've even thrown in two free gifts, which include the Manscaped Boxers and Shed Travel Bag. It's everything you could possibly need. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code GUPOD at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com and use code GUPOD. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Welcome to the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, your source for all things golf, including in-depth interviews, new equipment highlights, and answers to golf questions you might be too afraid to ask. My goal? To help you learn more about the game so you can enjoy it even more. Let's dive in. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show. This is the Golf Unfiltered Podcast, and I'm your host as always, Adam from GolfUnfiltered.com. You can find me all over social media at Golf Unfiltered, and you can send me an email, adam at GolfUnfiltered.com. We've got a great guest for you today, folks. Evan Singer is the co-founder of The Par Train and The Par Train Podcast. He actually co-hosts that with his buddy, Matt Cermak. Evan and I have known each other for quite a few years now. He's been on the show in the past. And The Par Train has undergone an evolution of sorts. It started off as a big PGA Tour, kind of a comedic, tongue-in-cheek approach, uh, him and his buddies. But it's evolved into something much more than that now. Evan is a mental coach. He helps out golfers everywhere. He focuses primarily on golf, and he helps people improve their game. On his podcast, he has interviewed professional golfers from all different tours, and the main focus of what the par train is now is to help you play the game just a little bit better. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. I learned a lot speaking with Evan, and I think you will too. 
All right, everyone, welcome back to the show. And as I mentioned in the introduction, I am so happy to see my friend Evan Singer. I haven't seen you in forever. Uh, I think you and I saw each other one time in person at the PGA show a few years ago. How are you doing, my man? I'm good, man. I was trying to figure out when's the last time I came on your show. Is that like four years ago or something? It, it's been a while. It's wild to think about not only how long I've been doing this, but how long you've been doing the par train, too. I mean, yeah. the par train is... It's gone through some iterations, which we'll get to here in a second. But um, yeah, man, it's it's great to finally reconnect with you. I'm so glad that we've done so and we've stayed in touch. Uh, and for those listening who might not know the name of Evan Singer, you know, maybe you'd start off with how you got started in the game of golf. Yeah, so uh, I think I became a, a golf nut purely because I neglected. I wouldn't allow myself to play. Because uh, I was a big baseball player. I'm from St. Louis. I know you're in Chicago. Um, and, you know, baseball was my thing. And it messed up my swing. So I, I wouldn't allow myself to play golf, even though I was a big PGA Tour fan and a golf nut. So long story short, I broke my elbow and had three months of rehab. And the day that my surgeon gave me the green light to resume activities, I went to the driving range. I never played golf or baseball again. So uh, I've been golfing ever since I was 17. So that's what, 17 years now, I'm 34. So, so yeah, it, the golf part from playing started then. But, you know, from a career standpoint, I guess it started really when I, my first job out of college, I started working at TaylorMade's ad agency. Um, mm. And, was living and breathing golf every day, meeting the pros on TV shoots. You probably remember those campaigns with Rocket Balls and R11 and all those crazy campaigns with TaylorMade. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the par train started with me and Matt Cermak. He's in Chicago. And um, it started with a wedding speech that we gave to our mutual best friend. He played college golf with my buddy Ryan. I grew up with Ryan. And we gave this... Uh, what I thought was an hilarious, there might have been a wig involved, uh, <laughs> wedding speech. And we realized we kind of had a spark with a microphone together. Like you said, it kind of went through. Uh, it's definitely evolved from the beginning. But now, you know, we I think we've got a pretty good niche and helping frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again on and off the course through a mental game podcast. And, you know, the messages that I get every day from people telling me how their level of enjoyment has never been this high of the game, their scores are going down, but more importantly, their lives are changing off the course. Uh, there's nothing mm. more gratifying and humbling than that. So it's been uh, an amazing ride. <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, it's, it's the best. I, I love nothing more. That's awesome. And uh, you know, you've got, an additional passion I know for marketing and, you know, you, you have a knack for connecting with people. And so with, you know, with human speak is another mm. uh, element of Evan that I think a lot of people uh, have benefited from. Yeah. Human speak was uh, when I launched my own company in January of 2020, kind of a wild time to start your own marketing consultancy right before COVID <laughs> when everyone's right. cutting budgets and not doing marketing. Um, I called it human speak because I've always felt, to your point, Adam, I've always felt like I am a connector. I understand 
human first, people first. I get that a lot from my parents. My parents are two of the kindest people you'd ever meet. And, um, you know, that Midwest Jewish background, I guess, just uh, it's a rare, I guess it's a rare thing as a guy to like love talking about feelings and unpacking things. And uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've always, from a marketing standpoint, tried to connect more than sell and add value more than asking for things so that when you do ask, it's a value to them. It doesn't even seem like you're asking for anything. So yeah, my, my two years of work and now I'm doing exclusively golf consulting because Mm -hmm. of the popularity of the par train and golf's now like my full focus, which is awesome. Um, yeah, that I, I named it that on purpose because what we do at the par train, mental coaching, um, it all roots under this umbrella and this idea of, you know, the simplicity of speaking human, you know, and speaking the same mm-hmm. language. And uh, it's all a translation, right? We're all trying to find our version of the same stuff out there, what connects with us. And a lot of times that's very simple language changes. And so it's funny looking back, my, uh, my marketing background has kind of helped me become a coach, you know, mm, okay. and, uh, think about how I frame things to different people. And yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a cool ride for sure. So that, that phrase you mentioned of connecting more than selling, I think definitely rings true with golf and with the par train. And you had talked about how it's evolved into this mental side of the game and you've helped so many people, and I've listened to your episodes and I just, I have noticed a change in the way that you conduct yourself and, and you and Matt also, you know, mm. and it's, it's connecting with these people. So when we talk about connecting, you know, from your perspective, is that missing in the game of golf, whether it be instruction or just how people learn the game? Absolutely. I think people are afraid to connect. You know, I think Mm. natural connection happens just from getting matched up. And I don't, you know, I don't think there may be anything that is a better connector than the game of golf. I mean, what else can you get matched up with someone for four or five hours and leave as friends? You know, like that's a pretty rare thing. It's a pretty uncomfortable thing. But the golf course suddenly makes it comfortable because I like to think of every golf shot kind of as a leap of faith. Right. So we're all out there putting our ego at risk and making mistakes together and that connects us that bonds us but you know a lot of us are afraid to connect in the sense that you wouldn't think of it but we're almost afraid to let our guard down and be human right Mm -hmm. It, it, it that's kind of the premise of everything we do is this premise of trying to be perfect trying not to make mistakes and getting down on ourselves before anyone else can, you know? And so right. there is tremendous connection with vulnerability, honesty, and uh, yeah, I think the game can use a lot of that. And I think our games can be helped by that because we make it so hard on ourselves. I just got back from Pinehurst and I played number two for the first time and I'm not going to lie to you. You know, I practice this stuff every day. We do a weekly podcast. I post multiple times a day on social media, trying to inspire and help people's mental games. And at the same time, I'm still a human being, 
you know, and I still have days that it's really hard. And uh, yeah, number two abused me and I felt beat down by the game, you know, and uh, there's some interesting learnings. I'm sure we could unpack on the show, but yeah, it's uh, it's important. Well, let's dig into that. I mean, so uh, I could certainly relate to struggles that I've had on the golf course Mm -hmm. Uh, while you're at Pinehurst, this this golf course that anyone who's played the game for more than five minutes wants to visit at some point. Yeah. You know, you're out there, you want to enjoy yourself. And uh, did you run into struggles? Did you find yourself kind of practicing what you you preach on your podcast? Yeah. So I had an intention. You might have seen a video I made about this, um, but I, I realized a pattern in myself that, you know, I've been super lucky. I've had the chance to play a lot of bucket list places. And I noticed that I was putting these places up on a pedestal, you know, deservingly so. They're iconic courses and venues, but in a way that wasn't necessarily productive to me. So I would almost be intimidated by where I was playing so much so that it made me play incredibly defensive and tentative and play rounds totally unlike I normally would. So I made an intention going into Pinehurst number two that, you know, I'm a pretty good athlete. I played sports my whole life and I'm not going to let the course intimidate me. It's grass, sand and trees. It's not a monster, even though some could argue that it is. And I certainly saw a side of it that was monstrous, but um, I I just proclaimed to myself that I'm going to play offense that doesn't mean reckless, but I'm going to play offense and I'm going to be an athlete and we're going to see where it goes, you know? And, um, you know, it definitely was a challenge because I've struggled with my driver for a little while. And, you know, I, for the betterment of the show and our followers, I try and hit driver as much as I can as a personal challenge and practice to me, right? No other club has more trauma and baggage than my driver does. And so much so that when I hit my three wood, people say to me, what the hell are you hitting your driver for? I hit my dri- my three wood past a lot of people's drivers and I hit my three wood pretty consistently, but in an effort to improve, grow and, you know, be able to share learnings to our audience, I hit driver where it makes sense to. And Pinehurst number two is not a good place to be spraying it left and right and scrambling because that's not even the biggest defense of the course. (laughs) All these little pines, weird sandy and pine needle lives that you've never really hit on before. uh, That's just the beginning. And then the greens are diabolical, as you know. So it's uh, it was a big challenge. I definitely got down on myself. I went internal You know, and as an extrovert, you know, I'm getting certified with Mental Golf Type, which is a great platform that -hmm. basically helps you learn your mental tendencies based on your personality. And uh, when I go internal, that means I get quiet, reserved, don't engage with the group. That drains my battery and it doesn't produce good results. So, you know, I, I was once I got to hole 14, I think it was. And this has happened so many times. So I'm, I'm excited to when I can maybe come back and tell you the opposite happened. And sure. I, I evolved from this. But 
it um it's usually a time that everyone in the group agrees it's time to put the driver away and i swing free with the three wood everyone wonders what i was doing for the first three hours two and a half hours (laughs) and i start playing real golf you know but um but yeah you know i think it's important and this has been a, a challenge for me too like because of what i do i think people would expect me to have a perfect mindset being even keel come all the time, but I'm a human, you know? And so it takes personal grace and acceptance to be like, Hey, okay. So I've been a little bit more down than I'd like here that I know that's not helping me. So what can I do here? What can I do to shift this? And so that's the exercise every day, every shot, even outside of golf, like that is what I'm trying to help people learn is how can I reset? How can I acknowledge what I'm thinking? How can I see how it's impacting me? How can I choose something more productive and how can I move forward? And that's what the train's all about. It's so interesting to think through a game like golf or any game rather. Uh, Cause I like you played baseball growing up. And I I had that mentality where it's, you know, that reacts to you. You know, what I'm going to do on the field, you're going to react to me, whereas we have to react to what's in front of us. You mentioned the pine needles, for example. You have no control over what that ball is going to land in. And you have to go and react to that situation while staying within your strengths, playing to your capabilities, but also understanding that wow, I, I know I can do this thing that I've never done before, you know? And, and I really uh, connected with what you were just saying regarding your personality type. Now I would, I would classify myself as an introvert. Uh, doing something like what we're doing right now actually takes a lot of effort for me, you know, to go out there and put myself out there. That's not natural for me. Um, and I see that now, and I didn't even think of this until you just explained it. Uh, my personality type, I think sometimes keeps me, holds me back a little bit. When I'm on the golf course, I, I find that to be very interesting. Do you see that with others that you've spoken to, uh, people who have reached out to you? Oh, yeah. So external, internal, then that's just one of four parts. You know, I'm an ENFP, so I'm an extroverted, intuitive, feeler, perceiver. And um, so for you, for example, if you're an introvert. I think I'm like get... INFJ. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. So we're like yeah. almost the opposite. No, actually halfway, halfway. Um, So you're much more analytical than me. And with an introvert, you, when I gain, it's really just about battery levels at the end of the day, which I'm sure you've heard. So to put it simply, if you're engaging with your group a lot, your battery's getting drained. And when you get stressed, your stress response is to go external. So that's where Mm -hmm. it explains like tiger might have, um, tiger's an introvert. He might have an outburst where he'll slam his club or he'll curse really loud. So he just went external and stress. So your job during stress or struggle during a round is to get internal again, meaning Mm -hmm. maybe remove yourself from the conversation a little bit, focus on your breathing, think about things in your head. Um, Whereas for me, if I get stressed as an extrovert, I need to get external again. So that's where vocalization out loud really helps me yucking it up with the 
the group, kind of talking right. shit to them, right? Yeah, right. Se- noticing things outside of myself on the whole, um, noticing the trees, noticing the surroundings, just getting myself out of my head makes my battery charge up and actually frees mm-hmm. me up. So there's a lot of things like that at Mental Golf Type. Quick plug for them, mentalgolftype.com is a great place to get that free assessment to see where you're at. But um, yeah, I'm almost done with my assessment there. We're going to do a lot more content on that stuff because I think, you know, some of the guys I coach, that's been a huge help for them because, you know, self-talk, mindset, positive focus, thinking about where you want to hit it instead of where you don't want to hit it, that stuff is all really important. We had Rotella on the podcast, and he said, if you learn nothing else, just focusing on your target alone will put you ahead of most golfers. So this next step stuff is a great way to supplement that because on days like at Pinehurst, some days it's just maybe you're really tired. Maybe you've got stuff going on at home. You know, Maybe you've got a physical ailment. Like Some days it's hard to have a good mindset. You know, That's normal. Yeah. Our th- Thoughts are 80% negative on default because we're trying, we're survivalists. We're trying to survive. That's how our brains are wired. But, you know, remembering when I'm in stress, what's a quick way to get me out of it? Internal, external is a great way to do that for sure. The Golf Unfiltered podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Cog Hill Golf and Country Club. I am so excited to partner with them once again in 2022 because they've got a lot of great stuff going on, including an entirely redesigned and renovated driving range and practice area. It's got top tracer. It's got, what, like 42 heated bays, individually heated, by the way. And it's even got a food truck and much, much more, such as two bars. Yeah, that's right. Go out to CogHillGolf.com today to learn a little bit more. And, of course, you already know about all their great golf courses, CogHillGolf.com. We're also pleased to continue to work with our friends at WorldwideGolfShops.com. You've heard me talk about them many times before. They've got everything you need for golf. They've got apparel, accessories, training aids, all the new equipment. They've got deals like every single day. And going out to WorldwideGolfShops.com might just help you improve your game this golf season. WorldwideGolfShops.com. I am, so I, I, you know, I've got a lot of guests that come on this show. I, I am learning so much in the 17 minutes that we've been talking. This is really interesting. So um, a lot of people go to the golf course to escape. A lot of people go to forget about the stresses. And what I have found with myself is when things don't go well, the, all those stresses come back. Um it, do you see that with people that reach out and the people that you coach where it's almost like I can't enjoy this game that I'm supposed to enjoy because I am so wrapped up in everything? 100%. That's usually the norm, you know? Um, yeah. So I think it starts with your Adam, right? You're not a golfer. You're Adam, even though we call right. ourselves golfers. So you hear this a lot on tour, like, Look at Rory. Think about the difference between how Rory's talked about it versus Scheffler in the Masters. A few, three or four years ago, Rory talked about it at his Masters pre round press conference, pre tournament press conference. How the biggest thing he's working on is not identifying with his results, right? Mm. It's a crazy game. You could hit it great, score badly. You could hit it badly, score great, right? I tell people all the time if you're someone like me that struggled off the tee, 
instead of feeling like I failed again and I'm the worst driver of the golf ball, instead I just started saying, I am an incredible player from the trees. Like, no joke. <laughs> I shot a 78 one day and I hit maybe 12 punched four irons from the trees, which I know <laughs> Club Pro Guy would love. Okay. Right. But like, right. My buddy Chris, who I was playing with, is in the fairway, and he's like, dude, I, don't, I really don't know how you're doing it. Like, you are off the reservation. I never see you. And then you're up around the green, and you get up and down. Worst case, I make a bogey, right? <laughs> Not always the case, but that day for sure. And I just kind of embraced it, right? Now, Scotty Scheffler talked about how He's done all the preparation he can. He is going to commit to his shots. He's going to miss it. He knows that. But as long as he commits, that's all he cares about. And if he wins, great. And if he doesn't, he's okay too. Because he left it all out there. He did everything he could. I know you hear that from a guy like Scotty Scheffler. And it's like, well, it's easy for him to say the guy like never misses. Right? But right. right. When you actually go to a tour event, it's pretty amazing the misses that these guys can have. Like, they're mm -hmm. actually not that much better than us in regards to hitting the ball. Like, they for sure are, but the right. margins are so low. But if you see the way that they recover, the margins are like this, super yeah, wide. So, yes. at the end of the day, they're just really good at recovering. Their misses are, you know, not as extreme as us. And they're more consistent. So, you know, what Scotty did is he got out of his own way by through acceptance. And acceptance is one of the hardest things to learn, but one of the best keys to happiness. Because if all you're doing is fighting your reality, you're never actually living. You know, we all think that there's going to be this like magic moment where we quote, make it and finally become fulfilled when we keep getting the things that we want. But what I've learned, especially recently in the last couple of years, after starting to see some real success with really a dream, you know, of, of the par train, um, once you hit a milestone, like in business or in the golf course, like it's cool, but mm -hmm. we're human. So we're going to want more or we're going to want that again and again. That's why I got so much controversy about this video I made over a year ago where I said breaking 80 is not going to make you happy. Right. Because once you do it, you're going to want to do it more regularly or you're going to want to beat that score. So not saying you so, shouldn't strive for great things, but like Ward Jarvis, mental coach for Brendan Todd, Lucas Glover, Jimmy Walker, many others in um, up and coming pros. But those are the most uh, notable We've had him on the show three times, and he said something I always remember. He says, you can't want your way to the finish line. The want is great, and it'll keep you motivated on days where maybe you don't want to practice or on off days, you're tr and you salvage, you know, as a pro, you salvage like a 71 instead of like 76. But usually the wanting, ironically, prevents us from getting it. Right. Whereas if you accept that you might not get it and you just do, I always say doing over meaning. If you focus on the doing more times than not, you're going to get the stuff that means a lot to you, but mm. it's a backdoor way to get there. 
You know, I just I posted yesterday on Instagram after Pinehurst. I said, here, let me pull this up so I can get the exact yeah, phrase sure. that I did. I said, let's see here. I said, we try so damn hard not to mess up. And for two to th- three straight hours, we mess up until we let go because we already messed it up so bad. And then we finally <laughs> flush it because prevention isn't a strategy but freedom is one hell of a way to play, you know? And I think that's what we're all looking for. But when people realize that not wanting to mess up is making them mess up, it makes them rethink the whole way that you play golf and live, you know, as a whole. You know, that reminds me of a couple things, actually. One, it reminds me of, uh, my friend, uh, Samantha Marks, you've, you've seen her all over Twitter. Um, I've gotten to know her pretty well recently and she played, uh, college golf. She played in, uh, you know, the, the ladies U S open and, uh, her, one of her coaches, and she's given me this advice on other things. She said, you know, if you live and die by every shot, you're going to do a lot of dying. Mm. And that's one thing, what you just said, remind me of it. And the other is wanting it so much and always thinking about that thing that you want to achieve. It's almost like, you know, this, this old cognitive behavioral therapy thing where don't think about white bears, you know? Oh yeah. And yeah. then what are you going to do? You're going to think about white bears all the time, Yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that definitely rings true. And, and I find it interesting when you're talking about, you know, like what you guys talk about on the par train, which by the way, listeners, the partrain.com is the website, go out, they got everything there. You got a link to the podcast and everything and they're They're available all over major uh, podcast networks. You talk a lot about, um, you know, just finding who you are, so to speak, you know, and we've always talked about golf is an imitation of life. And that's a fun anecdote. But what you're talking about really is, yeah, everything you just said to me can apply to what I do at work, can mm-hmm. apply to what I do, you know, when I go out of this office, all of that. And, and you're, you're hitting a lot of, a lot of boxes there, Evan. I appreciate that. And, you know, to me, I think there's no better practice for how to live your life than every golf shot because nothing gives you faster feedback of what's in your head than a golf shot, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, to your point about the white bear, let me dispel a myth for you real quick for the unfiltered listeners. Um, A lot of people hear the phrase, your brain doesn't understand the difference between don't So if you tell your brain, don't go right, it all it hears is right and it hits it right. That's actually not true. What it's doing is right is the white bear. So what you're doing is you're creating resistance and tension by resisting something, Mm -hmm. which then by resistance something, you're creating interference of your authentic swing, which is why you probably hit it exactly where you're avoiding it. Or you go 80 yards left to avoid it. Right. At which point, right. Dr. Joe Parent, author of Zen Golf, humorously told us, humor is a great tool. So like, if you do that, instead of getting down on yourself, make a joke about how you are probably the best in the world at avoiding water. Like <laughs> 80 yards of not of hitting the water, like that is some incredible talent, right? And then you keep it light. And you go to the next shot. I'll tell you this, Adam. Like, when you watch the pros play, I think of the Ryder Cup a lot. Like, Mm -hmm. I forget what hole it is. You probably know better than me. But the par three, super long par three on Lake Michigan, 
Mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. the cliff is right off the green. And these guys are hitting crosswinds with long irons, you know. And at the Ryder Cup, arguably the biggest pressure moment in golf, right? They All right, the pro- right. players have said it, even more so than majors. These guys have the weight of a country, multiple countries, on their back. And when they hit it off the cliff, I saw Fleetwood do it. I saw Rom do it. I saw Xander do it. They just kind of like, yeah, they might like have a perturbed look on their face, but they kind of just like shrug and go find it. And a lot of times they find it and they get up and down or they give themselves at least a look at up and down. Right. You know, themselves a chance. Yeah, I think chances is really a key for everyone to take away from today is like if you focus on chances more so than your score and commitments instead of score, like count your number of commitments, pretty soon you'll start to see a correlation between the shots you didn't commit to. Sometimes you just misjudge one. So sometimes there's a fluke swing, you know, that's okay. But I bet you most of the time a, sh- a shot that doesn't match your expectations was a shot that you didn't commit to. And uh, so many times I feel like everything I've heard from pros is like swing aggressive to conservative targets, give yourself looks. Whereas the amateurs play total opposite. They don't even think Mm -hmm. about what they're doing. They aim at flags. They end up short siding themselves. They hit it long when they had a whole green to hit. And, you know, they're not actually intentional about what they're trying to do. So, you know, I'm not saying you need to be a guru out there or meditate on the first tee, but if you think about what you're doing, you commit to what you're doing, you pick what you're comfortable with, and you give yourself looks. You know, I've had plus fives tell me that birdies are accidents. You know, and so Yeah. <laughs> I made two birdies on Pinehurst number two. It's probably the highest score I've ever had with two birdies, but hey, <laughs> at least I got them twice, you know, like that's what I'll take yeah. away. So but yeah, that's the type of stuff. It's not that big of a jump. That's the funny thing. It's just, you know, it's not that easy, though. That's the funny thing. It's simple, but it's easy to be upset after a bad shot. It's not easy to acknowledge it for what it is, which was a, you know, a missed golf shot. There's going to be a lot of mm-hmm. them. And then move on, not taking that miss into your next swing. You know, right. that's the hard part. But that's what the best do taking it not taking it to the next swing just like not taking your mistake from today to the following day you know i I feel that there's a parallel there too yeah i want to we could talk about this for hours and we will have you back for sure and i'm sure you and i will talk more offline too um but i want to talk about expectations because you've you've talked a lot about the pro game and you and i have talked about this as well what would you say for those players who watch professional golf on tv and they're seeing the leaders tee off and they're hitting the best shots, and they're on top of their game. Is that setting up unrealistic expectations? Oh, for sure. I mean, we had Ali Osborne, um, you know, incredible amateur on the program, runner-up at the, was it 2020 USAM at Bannon? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We had him on, and he said that when that's the first thing that came to mind when he played on tour, played in a couple majors, is that these guys aren't that, amazing it's just golf channel and cbs they're highlight reels mm-hmm. you know i mean think about it the only time you're seeing a player not covered during a major final round that's not near the lead playing their best golf is when they make a long putt 
right. or hole out, right? So that alone proves that everything we're watching is uh, highlight reel. But you also got to remember, like, think about Tiger's 2019 Masters win. That yeah. guy was spraying it all over the map, right? But I just went to my first Masters. I now realize why Tiger and Phil have, what is it, eight green jackets between the two of them because you can't spray it there. Mm-hmm. But they're staying within themselves. They're incredible iron players, but more importantly, they're incredible scramblers. So, you know, an Alistair McKenzie layout, it rewards precision, you know, around the greens and hitting it in the right spots. It's the ultimate, you know, course management course. And so mm-hmm. it, it makes sense as to why those guys win. But if you rewatch Tiger's Masters wins, even 05, 2019, watch them all. He's making a lot of mistakes the whole okay. day in the round that you think you need to be flawless. Actually, Tiger's not being flawless. Tiger's the best at staying even keel while everyone else gets in their own way. He's going to keep plodding along. That's what he always says. I plod along. I plod along. I have patience. Bobby Jones says patience is confidence, right? Hmm. So that's what he does the best. Then while other people make mistakes, he's smart enough to say, okay, I'm at 12 at Augusta. Everyone's hitting. I forget if they were hitting pitching wedges or nine irons. I think they were hitting pitching wedge, but mm-hmm. he's like, okay, if Tony Finau, Brooks Kepka, and Francesco Monari are all hitting it into the water, there's probably some wind up there that no one's seeing. So I'm going right. to take extra club and hit it to the middle of the green and get out of there. Right. Mm-hmm. And that just shows how he thinks his way around a course better than anyone. It's not that he hits it better than everyone, even though he really did for many years. Now I think it showcases his mental game you know, mm-hmm. is so superior. So if you don't want to do it, that's cool. But, you know, if you want to be like Tiger, <laughs> maybe think a little bit more like Tiger, you know? Yeah, he's done pretty well for himself. Yeah, um, definitely. You know, it's interesting, too, and, and the final point, because uh, we're getting up against the clock here, um, you know, in relation to expectations, it always drives me a little bit crazy when people, uh, you know, will go to a golf course and maybe it's the one time they get out that week. And they're going to go and they're like, you know what? I'm going to get my money's worth and I'm going to hit this shot. I, there's no way I can get you know, on this green and two from 280 out, but I'm going to try because I paid my money and I'm going to do it. Whereas people think about course management and thinking your way through a course like you just described. I would say it's almost like you got to know yourself a little bit and it's not so much trying to impress anyone else. It's okay. What, how do you want to enjoy this game? Am I anywhere in the ballpark with that? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. It's it. I think it is another life lesson of like, we're tribalists, you know, we, we want to be accepted. So it's easy again, it's easy to want to do what everyone else is doing. Right. It's hard to say, I don't really care what anyone else is doing. This is best for me. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't, they can make fun of me. They can do whatever they, I mean, I was just at Bandon recently. I've had the craziest three weeks ever. Um, <laughs> went to Bandon after Masters. And it was funny. Everyone was hitting driver. And this was my last round at Bandon Dunes. And I was just like, you know, the driver's just not there. Instead of like grinding all day, I've got hard pan fairways. I'm just going to like 
lean into comfort and confidence. And I ripped mm. my three wood all day. And one hole was a really short par four. And I forget what hole it was, maybe 14, 13, I don't remember. But everyone was hitting driver towards the green. And mm. I'm hitting three wood, right? And there's a bunker there. And it's like, you know, this hole's 310. Like, I haven't done it yet. I think it'd be kind of fun to like sting a four iron down the fairway, hmm. give myself like 50 yards out, you know, and right. everyone was kind of around the green in these kind of awkward positions. I had 50 yards in, I put it to the, I left myself like 15 feet hmm. and it was inside them. And I started joking. How's that four iron looking now? You know? So <laughs> I think the best players in the world are actually the best at playing their game. I mean, we had Colin Morikawa's coach, Rick Sessinghouse on the show the week before he won the Open. And he talked a lot. The, the word he used the most was comfort. You think mm-hmm. these guys can hit every shot, and I'm sure under the gun they probably could, but Colin doesn't. He hits his cut most of the time, and he hits the yardages he likes, and he gives himself looks. He's not the longest. He doesn't try to be. He's the best iron player in a very long time. Mm-hmm. And he leans into that. So, you know, if even beyond the mental, this is the mental stuff that is a lot physical too, right? It's like, right. Adam, like, what are you great at? Like, what are your strengths? What are you most comfortable with? And you'll know, like, if you're hitting right. a shot where you're like, oh, I don't know. I mean, that's information. So does another shot give you more confirmation, you know, more confidence? If so, hit that one. And I, right. it'd be a good in, in, um, experiment. Like, imagine if you played an entire round where you hit shots you were only comfortable with. You know? Yeah, I, I need to try that. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> you're right. I mean, gosh, so much of this is just you know hitting home with me because there's this big word of should. Yeah. When people play golf, and it's like I should hit this, mm-hmm. I should hit that. I made a video not too long ago for TikTok. Um, you know, I've, I, I've never hit it as far as the two guys I normally play with. They're really strong players. They've always hit maybe one, two clubs more than me. And growing up, cause I grew up with these guys, it was always a matter of, uh, I'm not strong enough or, uh, you know, I always kind of, you know, they razzed me. Of course, that's what good friends do to you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it took me a long time to realize that doesn't matter what number you're hitting into a green, you're on the green, you know, that's, that's the whole point. So a lot of that rings true to me. So the partrain.com is the website. We could talk, uh, there's so much good stuff with the partrain podcast and on the website. Obviously you've heard just a, the surface with Evan today. Um, Evan, is there anything else you'd like our listeners to know about the partrain before we let you go? I would just encourage them, you know, to enjoy the ride no matter where they are. Uh, a lot of times the, what are you going to remember? What are the stories going to be? Are you going to tell your friend about a fairway green two putt? Are you going to tell your friend about the punch four iron that you got up and down or even made birdie from, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I, I would Google the Chinese farmer maybe story. I know we're at time. I won't go through it now, but Google that story and play out of this maybe mindset of instead of classifying things as good or bad, let's just see where you're mm-hmm. at, um, at the end of the round. And, Hey, you might end up having a great story out of it. You might end up making a hole in one during your worst round ever. 
you know? So stay patient. Patience is confidence. And, uh, yeah, obviously the podcast is everywhere and at the par train on social, I post four times a day across multiple platforms. So I try and do my best of things that I experience in my daily life on and off the course that relate to golf. Um, things that aren't on the podcast, there's little tidbits there. So we've had people tell us we've changed your game just through Instagram posts. And I'm like, well, shit, if you like that, you're going to love the podcast. <laughs> so depending on what people want, you know, it's all there. So wherever they want to find us. There's a lot of different flavors of the par train folks. And yeah. that's a lot of good messages there, Evan. So thanks so much for coming on my man. We'll do it again soon. It's nice to reconnect with you. Yeah, man, you too. Next time we'll have to unpack your game. I was, we didn't even get to that. So <laughs> probably more to come. <laughs>